one day I was so sad. I was like, God, why am I here? You know, I have a good resume, mm -hmm. you know, like I've been nominated for awards, but like I'm here and I'm cleaning toilets. Why? Yeah. Why? 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 There are other people who don't have as many things on my resume, on their resume as they do, as I do, but like they're flourishing. Mm -hmm. Why am I here? And I kid you not, I heard a little voice and the little voice went like this. It's so that you can understand humility, so that you can understand what it means to serve. Because to be a, an actor, to be a real actor, you have to serve. You have to serve the story. You have to serve the characters. It's not about your ego. It's not about getting these roles and walking these red carpets and rubbing shoulders with the powerful almighty and whatnot. Mm -hmm. and make it seem like it's all about you. No, it's about understanding the human condition and understanding what it means to be human. Mm -hmm. because people connect with people. And most importantly, bonjour. Welcome to your favorite podcast of all time, Sakina Speaks. My name is Sakina Isabani, and I am super psyched for this episode because I have a really, really special guest here. And you guys will get to know him on a personal level, I hope. Definitely a level that I have seen a glimpse of on his Instagram page and a reason why I definitely found it very important to invite him onto the platform and onto the podcast today to share with us and to give us a little bit more of, you know, that insight into this phenomenal, phenomenal human being. If I have to start naming all of the amazing things that he's done within his acting career, he is a film producer. He is an actor. Um, one that I think is seasoned and a little bit underrated. I, I promise you that. Um, he has starred in so many beautiful feature films and names like Star Trek. We're talking about Kevin Hart's True Story, 21 Thunder, which he also co-produced, NCIS Hawaii. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, the list goes on. Pompeii and the one that is definitely putting him on the map for Congolese people and for people all over the world. In fact, Black people all over the world. That is the rising six that he's about to star in. He is the very first Congolese man to play a superhero in Hollywood. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, this is Emmanuel Kabongo. Welcome. Hi. Hello. How are you? Hello. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. So glad to, to be here speaking with you. Thank you so much for having me. It is an absolute pleasure. I know our schedules have been have been a bit off, but uh, we we finally made it happen. So thank you. Thank you so much for being patient. It's a pleasure. I, I believe that God's time is the best. And of course, some of my best episodes have come out of like being postponed way too many times. So it's cool. So let's just begin, right? First of yes. all, how are you? I know you have a busy schedule. I'm good. Life is I'm moving good. fast. I'm yeah. I'm good. Life is definitely moving fast, but I'm good. I'm uh, staying healthy with the way the world is going right now. Mm -hmm. And so I'm staying healthy mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. I made sure I ate today, ate the, the right food, had some oatmeal, <laughs> had some oatmeal. I love oatmeal and peanut butter in the mornings. Mm -hmm. You know, get that protein going. I had a day off from working out today. I worked out last night. So my body's a little sore, mm -hmm. a little bit of stretching. So I'm probably going to do some more stretching. Although I do, I, I, I work out every day. I started this goal where I'm trying to get to 50,000 pushups by the end of the year. And um, I did the math and that is 137 pushups a day. And so every day 
I mean, if I miss a day, I double up the next day. But every day I've been doing 137 push-ups. And up to date, I have done over 8,000 push-ups so far. And uh, when I started at first, it was sets of 20 until I got to 137. And then after maybe two, three weeks, I'm like, okay, I can do 50 push-ups straight. Mm -hmm. And one day I was like, you know what? Let me try to do 100 push-ups straight and see what happens. Yeah. And I got down, started doing my push-up, bop. And I got to 100 and I wasn't tired. So I said, you know what? I'm talking to myself at this point. Said, hey, let me see if I could do the extra 37. And I got to 137. I was so amazed. I was like, oh my God, I can do 137 straight? What? Yeah. It's crazy what the human body can do, you know, when you stay focused. Mm -hmm. But I'm good. You know, today's a good day. I'm blessed to be alive. Like I said to you earlier, you know, I'm happy to have my eyes. I'm happy to, to, to smell. I'm happy to hear. I'm happy to walk. I'm happy I have some clothes on my back. I got a car that could get me from A to B. Mm -hmm. I have a roof over my head. I have a comfortable bed to sleep on. You know, just the, the bare minimum. The things that are essential, I'm very grateful for. And uh, I'm, I'm very grateful to have a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's how I'm feeling today. Wow. Basically what I can say to that, because that is just amazing. And it goes back to what I said off air, which is, this is the exact reason. This is what drew me to you on Instagram. This is why I was like, this guy's a very peculiar character. And I would like to understand a lot more about him and be able to get into his mind a little bit because um, being, you know, in the industry that you're in and everything, many would assume that I'm in mean, a relationship with God kind of falls secondary to your craft. So it's, it's remarkable. It's amazing to see that there's still people like that. There's still people that put in God first, even in the craziest of industries and still being able to, you know, play all of these roles and be a role model, most importantly, because they have a relationship with God. I introduced you and that's, that's the typical way of introducing you, but I I have done this on a previous episode where I did say that I don't want to do it the typical way anymore. I actually want you to tell me what you believe you are. Who do you see when you look in the mirror? <laughs> good question. It's a good question. And I hope my answer is as good as your question. <laughs> but lately, I've been really feeling and honing my name and what it means. Mm -hmm. My name means God with us. Mm -hmm. That's what Emmanuel means. And I've just been accepting that I wasn't born to be regular. Mm -hmm. I wasn't born to be mundane. A lot of us weren't born. Most of us, I, I feel like everyone isn't just born to be regular. And not to say that there's something wrong or bad about being regular. Mm -hmm. I just think we're all born with certain gifts. And for me, I'm fully now accepting what that means, what my gift is. Not just having the name, but also understanding, hey, you were born on Christmas Day. And that doesn't just happen by luck, you mm -hmm. know, a special day. And having that name, Emmanuel. So I try to embody what my name means. I try to bring God wherever I go. So you ask me, what do I see? Mm -hmm. When I look in the mirror, I see a child of God. That's what I see. I don't just see an actor, a, a kid from the Congo who fleed the war, grew up in South Africa, found his way to Toronto and Hollywood. Now, all that stuff is great. And by the grace of God, all that stuff happened. But when I do look in the mirror, I see the fire of God. I see God's presence. You know, I also see that I'm human and I fall, Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and I have to have that humility to forgive myself and be kind to myself, mm -hmm. pat myself on the back when I do a good job, but also, you know, remind myself that, hey, I'm not 
better than anyone. I'm not more important than anyone. I am who I am for me. Mm-hmm. And if my life, my career can inspire people in the world to feel better about themselves, to make them feel like they need to go after their own dreams or better their relationships with friends, family, God, whatever that is, then so be it. I want to be that beacon of light. And that's what I see for now. I'm sure things are going to unfold as I meet my future self five, 10 years from now. Yeah. You know, and it's going to continue unfolding as I meet myself 20 years from now. Wow. So that's who I see. That is very, very beautiful. I think a lot of your answers are just going to leave me speechless tonight because I mean, there's (laughs) only so much you can say um, because what you do say definitely does give me a lot to reflect about, especially the part about being humble enough to forgive yourself. Many of us don't yeah. see that as humility. Like you feel like beating yourself down and just breaking yourself down is, is humility and everything or exaggerated modesty and stuff like that. But it is it is necessary to love yourself in order to love others. So yeah, I appreciate that you said that. You're very welcome. Now you did speak about the fact that you are, you know, this kid that grew up in the Congo and escaped the war, came to South Africa and found their way to Toronto. Can you map that out for us? Can you paint us a picture of, of what that journey looked like? Because I feel like it really does give so much beauty to your story so much beauty to the man that is sitting before us today or sitting before me today all the way in toronto canada how did it all begin how did the story of emmanuel kabongo man i'm the oldest of six kids one of the kids was adopted Mm -hmm. and the youngest one is the only one that's born in canada five boys one girl i was born in lubumbashi which is south of congo south of kinshasa Mm -hmm. and uh my parents were okay in terms of work my father was in business uh, import export construction and we were okay you know we weren't rich i wouldn't say we weren't living in the slums either mm-hmm. but I, I would say we were just below middle class working class i went to school i remember wearing a uniform going to school as a little boy i went to yeah. a french school and i loved my pencil crayons mm-hmm. <laughs> but um one day in 1993 some rebels try to break into our house and basically attack us. Yeah. What ended up happening, my parents snuck me and my siblings under the bed. And uh, luckily, we kind of had a gate, so they couldn't really, really get in, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, we had a neighbor who used to be uh, the bodyguard of uh, the president, Mobutu Sisiseko. And uh, my mother, like, kind of called him out, and he was able to fire off some rounds, and these rebels ran away. And that's when my parents decided, okay, it was time to leave. My father used to do a lot of business uh, overseas. And so his plan was, let's go to New York. You know, so he had his paperwork to go to New York. And so when we left, you had to sneak out of Congo. So we went to Zambia. From Zambia, we kind of took a plane to South Africa and landed Mm -hmm. in Johannesburg. And my father was the first one. Like, he had gotten his visa first. So from Johannesburg, he went to um, New York. But when he landed in, in the United States, he had problems and issues with immigration. And so they wouldn't they wouldn't let him in. And he luckily had family in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So he moved, came to Canada instead and uh, had to restart all over again. He lost everything in terms of like money and uh, his plans didn't work out as he wanted to. Yeah. And so uh, in South Africa, it took us five years before my father could make some money mm-hmm. in order to send to my mom and get the right visas. But in those five years, we lived in Berea. Berea. Are you familiar with Berea? I am for Yeah, yeah I'm actually yeah, familiar yeah, with it. Yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So we grew up there. Oh my God. South Africa was bad in the <laughs> 90s, man. Yo, it was bad. I remember every New Year's, every New Year's, 
like people will go ham people will go crazy like broken bottles everywhere mm -hmm. you know what i mean like it was bad you couldn't drive a car and speak on a cell phone you couldn't do that i remember one time like i was at a red light and uh, someone was talking on their cell phone and uh, i was crossing the street it was mm -hmm. green for me but it was red light for the person and some random person just kind of nonchalantly walked up as if they were crossing the street too walked up to that person's window punched the glass the window grabbed the phone and ran out you know and it's unfortunate that places are like that and, and i'm sure south africa is beautiful right now my brother tells me it's beautiful it's changed <laughs> tremendously you know what I mean? and that's amazing i can't wait to visit south africa again but that's how i grew up you know mm -hmm. like around this kind of environment and me and my siblings because we didn't speak english we only spoke french we used to be called quere queres some things really yeah. don't yeah, change yeah I used to understand Zulu a little bit and Kosa, you know what I mean? And Afrikaans. But what allowed us to adapt was soccer. We were really good soccer players, mm -hmm. me and my sibling. And so kids just always wanted to play with us soccer and cricket. Man, we used to play, we used to play soccer on concrete with no shoes. That's how we used to play. The you original athletes. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? We used to play soccer like that. We, we, we played cricket, not even with the proper bat. We used to make a bat with sticks. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And use the round garbage as the wickets. You know, anyways, don't, like. get, don't get me started. <laughs> don't get me started. All right. But, um, you know, for a long time, we, we lived in this building. We lived in this building that uh, it was a very scary building, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, back in the day, you know, security guards over there used to carry this whip, this leather whip. Wow. I don't know if you know it, but the security guards in the buildings back mm -hmm. in, in the 90s, they used to carry a leather whip. So if anybody ever stole something from the building or like did people would get whipped with that like police the police too used to carry that whip it was a thick leather whip so we lived in this building and like there were a lot of uh, uh drug addicts you know mm -hmm. especially like on the roof we would, we would see all these like per um uh, these these containers and stuff like uh, paraphernalia and stuff but what kept us in check was we had a strong mom yeah and we had a strong mom you know my our mom like put the fear like the fear of god in us you know what i mean like she's just yep. like you guys because we're in south africa you know mm -hmm. like things can happen but we, we we had a very strong loving mom who taught us the power of faith the power of prayer and when we didn't go to school because there was the first couple of years we didn't go to school because we didn't have other means she would homeschool us and uh read us stories from the bible in french we didn't really know english and we we all lived in a bachelor mm -hmm. And one bed, just the bachelor, one bed in the bathroom. The bathroom was where we did our dishes. And one by one, sometimes we would take the, you know, the shower with the bucket and the cup. Yep. You know, the water in the bucket with mm -hmm. the cup. And you put yourself, yeah, yeah, we did that. And uh, we had to like hang our clothes on the string in the bathroom, mm -hmm. you know, because you know, there wasn't really a laundromat downstairs. And uh, we used to all sleep in the bed and our mom slept on the floor. Wow. Uh, but a, a fun thing, like we didn't have a television, but yeah. we, had a, we had a neighbor we had a we had a Nigerian neighbor who had a TV. You know, yeah. I didn't know there was a lot of there's a lot of Nigerians in South Africa, man. Yes, they are. He a, yeah, he had a TV. So my mom and him were friends because he was the neighbor. He was really nice. Sometimes when our mom couldn't watch us, he would watch us. Mm -hmm. So uh, we would go over to his place and watch TV. My mother loved Days of Our Lives, yep. Dallas, Bold and the Beautiful. Sounds like my mom. Wrestlers. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know? 
And uh, she loved all the action heroes, Chuck Norris, Sylvester Stallone, Jean-Claude Van Damme. They have a lot in Arnold common. Schwarzenegger. <laughs> exactly, you know what I mean? So, so exactly me the and same. my siblings, you know, we used to pretend, we used to pretend we were these superheroes. We were Rambo, put the bandana around our forehead, you know <laughs> what I mean? And play cops and robbers. When we didn't know English and we used to listen to rap music, we used to murmur what we heard. Because we didn't yeah. know English. We used to be like, never, never get the pass, never the ball, yo, like what are you saying bro? i don't know <laughs> i don't know but this is what it sounds like yeah. this is what english sounds like they're rapping oh my you word know? and then you know we got hit with some some downtime because uh my mom couldn't always pay the rent mm-hmm. you know and when she couldn't pay the rent uh we would be locked out or we would have to sleep at other neighbors' houses and stuff like that and for a long time we slept at a church mm-hmm. there's a building in Berea called Ponte I don't know if it's still there Ponte City yeah, <laughs> yeah! yeah! yes it is <laughs> So it's, it's like still there. it's still there. It's still there. It's like the like starting point of like every Congolese person. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. There was this park close by to Ponte City, and there was another church there across the street from this park. It was like it's, this church. I forget what it's called. It's tents. I don't know if it's still tents, but it was a tent. It was a large tent. Anyways, we grew up there. Mm-hmm. That's where we grew up. You know, we grew up in the Ponte City area, and uh, the church that we lived in. There were a lot of homeless people that also stayed at the church because they didn't have a home you know not just us congolese but other south africans and stuff like that yeah so at the time we had started going to school and to go to school we had to take get on the train you know mm-hmm. what i mean we had to get on the train so, so we had the long walk to the train station and like i remember back then you know like if you didn't have your ticket tickets tickets <laughs> the guy with his with his clicker you know what i mean walking mm-hmm. around with his clicker like if you didn't have your tickets oh you're getting smacked mm-hmm. you're getting smacked <laughs> you know Oh man, I remember one kid, he didn't have his ticket. Well, he got smacked by the conductor. That was crazy mm-hmm. how you could do that. Yeah. Back then. There was this other fun thing that we used to do with the trains. I don't know if people still do that. We used to ride around the train with the door open, one foot by the door, and you and hold the railing hang. in the middle. Wow. And just hang and just like look outside. What you mean? Yeah, I'm more <laughs> South African than you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm very conservative. Yeah. I'm always indoors. You know <laughs> Oh man, it was like like city kids, you know. Like we used to go to school, and like because the I don't know if the trains are the same, but back then the trains can move while the doors were open. There was a bar, a bar in the middle of the doors, and like what kids used to do, or on the side, like just hold it and kind of you know just look outside as the train is going by. And when you got to the platform, we used to play this game. Where like you would run with the train while holding on to the to the, to the handle, sure. run with the train on the platform, mm-hmm, jump mm-hmm. back in, front, jump back, and always do that for fun all the time. But um, after that, five years later, no, no, before that, so my father used to send my mom letters when he sent her, some, you know, photos and stuff. Yes. In one of these photos, he was on a on a movie set. I didn't know what he did at the time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, and I asked my mom, oh, what's my dad doing here? And she said, oh, he's he's shooting a movie. So I thought, oh, yeah, I guess my dad is an actor, mm-hmm. you know? So uh, fast forward five years later, we finally had the money. My dad finally sent uh, the funds for my mom. And uh, we, got, we got our paperwork in order. And uh, we're getting ready to leave. We're happy. Mm-hmm. We got it. At the time, FUBU was in, you know what I mean? So we had our FUBU gear. Yes, yes. We had our FUBU gear, you know, mm-hmm. the full set. And um, we get to the airport. My mom is light skinned. Yes. My mom does not look my mom does not look like any of us. Mm-hmm. You know? 
and we're all we're all dark skinned. And my mom at the time was 30 years old when this happened. 31. We got to the airport. And uh, uh, one of the officers mm-hmm. looks at my mom and he's surprised that my mom is this beautiful young 30 year old woman with five kids that look nothing like her. Mm-hmm. So he walks up to my mom and he's like, are these your kids? And she's like, yes. And the guy's like, can I see your paperwork? So he looks at my mom's paperwork and he tells my mom, can you please follow me? So we follow him to an office and he's trying to like, hey, so uh, you're going to help me so I can help you to my mom? And my mom's like, I don't know what's going on. And she's yeah. like, okay, whatever. So uh, they ended up arresting us. They arrested us because <sighs> someone sold my mom fake passports. Wow. Yeah. And so we missed our flights. We got put in the airport jail with uh, the female holding cell with our mom. Yeah. And we spent two nights in there. It was Easter weekend when this happened. And the family friends that we had made at the church, they were able to come get us the children. But our mother had to stay in until she saw a judge. And uh, luckily, she had uh, some family from Congo who was Mm -hmm. able to kind of get her in touch with a lawyer and get her some money to post bail. And when she saw the judge, she explained what happened. And uh, luckily, the judge had a heart. Yeah. And he forgave my mom. And so six months later, we try again. But this time, my mom decides I'm going to use one, you know, just one passport. And and so on our way to the airport, the car breaks down. Oh, my word. It's raining. My mom has to get out the car, flags, another car to stop another car stops and uh, we all get in put our luggage in the car and we're going we're like five maybe between five ten minutes from the airport Mm -hmm. and my mom realizes that she left her purse in the car in the car that broke down Mm -hmm. she gets out of the car she's running it's raining this is like a movie i'm telling you the the person driving us is reversing on a one-way street uh, but it's late at night Mm -hmm. thank god there wasn't a lot of incoming traffic by the time my mom made it to where the car had broken down it was getting hoisted on a tow truck she was able to get the purse on time rush back in the car make it to the airport on time and as soon as we get there we get we get through all the checkups the check-in bam 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 and right before the gate you see somebody looking at my mom my mom's looking at him mm-hmm. he's looking at my mom and we get closer and closer and closer and all of us start getting nervous because it this could happen again guy. oh my god not just this could happen again it was the same guy and he looks at my mom and he's like, you again with your oh. kids. And my mom's like, yeah, me again with my kids. Mm-hmm. Let me see your paperwork. And looks at my mom's paperwork. Bam, bam, bam. Searched our bags. Try to find something wrong. You know what yeah. I mean? Nothing was wrong. And he's like, he had no choice. He let us go. Oh, man, we were singing. <laughs> we were crying. We were she crying. <laughs> We were singing and my mom was trying to calm us. We would not calm. We were singing <laughs> all the church African music we can remember. All of them. We were everything. Singing them all. Yeah. Everything. You know what I mean? Sure. We're even singing the Bafana Bafana theme song. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> sure, but I can, you know I can just imagine. Yeah. yeah. Just the joy, you know? And then uh, we landed in Toronto in 1998. And I remember the first time I saw snow, I wanted to taste it. And I'm like, what is this? Try to taste it. I remember the first time I saw a squirrel. Mm-hmm. I tried to chase it, you know what I mean? Those things are too fast, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like trying to catch a rat. You're trying to catch a cute rat. It's just with not- like with like fur yeah no, it ain't happened nope it ain't happened but then you know um to integrate with society we moved downtown toronto and to integrate what allowed us to kind of get along with people with sports again you know mm-hmm. we didn't really speak english properly but we were all good at math 
and arts and stuff and mm-hmm. sports. So it allowed us to make friends really quickly. And then we were introduced to this game called basketball. Mm-hmm. So me and my sibling, my siblings, because they were younger, they kind of picked it up much quicker. Yeah. For me, it was a bit challenging because I, I really wanted to be a soccer player growing up. I didn't want to be an actor. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a soccer player. I wanted to play like international soccer. I remember when uh, FIFA was in was in South Africa. Oh my God, that was life. I remember that year. Yeah. You know? So like, I just wanted to be a soccer player. And um, at the age of 15, nobody really played soccer in my neighborhood. Everybody played hockey, football, and basketball. So I told my dad I wanted to act. And uh, all he knew, I ended up finding out that my dad was just a background actor. Mm-hmm. He was just, he did extra work. So he put me in a background agency. And one of my first background gigs was Mean Girls with Lindsay Lohan. Wow. You know? I was part of the background, you know? mm-hmm. but I was always curious, how do I do the talking? How do I become one of those people? that you know is in front of the camera Mm -hmm. so i remember we were filming this one scene on this main strip in toronto it was a huge crowd this obviously pre-covid so it was a huge huge crowd maybe just over 100 people running into a theater you know like a little some mayhem pandemonium happening Mm -hmm. and i was not too far away from the camera so every time they called action I, i i would run i would be part of the crowd and like i had this like passion to just look right directly into the lens every mm-hmm. time I passed it <laughs> I, <laughs> did, is- I did that a couple times they were like the director was like get that idiot to the back he keeps looking in the lens Shame. I was just trying to get noticed you know? yeah I, was trying to get noticed. I got sent to the back and I kind of after a few more gigs I was discouraged because I didn't I, I did like maybe four more background gigs and I was just always like how do I do the speaking I didn't really have guidance I didn't have mentors mm-hmm. I didn't know anybody in the industry that could kind of guide me yeah. I didn't know that you can take acting workshops and stuff mm-hmm. so I just gave up and focused on sports my entire high school career and um, my my first two years three years of college and in, in college I took a arts and my third year of college, I took a theater program because acting was always in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, I'm like, oh, one day I want to try because it made my mom happy. It made my mom happy. The first time I saw Denzel, where do you think it was from? <laughs> where do you think it was from? It was from my mother. From, yes, my yes, mother yes. put me in. When she put us in front of the TV, she said, the kids, look at this man right here. Yeah, look yeah, at yeah. him. He's a good actor. <laughs> he's not just a fine man. He's a good actor. He's look a, at him. Yes, uh, sir. Yes. So I wanted to make my mom happy. I wanted my mom to just go to Blockbuster or the local video shop and get DVDs or whatever it was at the time with my picture on it, mm. with my face on it, because it made her happy, you know? Because for the longest time in South Africa, my mom was not happy. She was very sad. Yeah. She was very lonely, you know? Fast forward, uh, my third year of college, I finally take this one-year theater program, and then I finally learn. I'm like, oh, so these are the steps you got to take. You got to go to this. You got to study this. Mm-hmm. Body movement, your voice, dancing. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you want to do theater or do you want to do film and TV? I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to do theater. I want to focus on film and TV because yeah. that's what my mother likes, you know? So wow. I'm like, okay. So I started taking workshops outside of school. At the time, I was also playing on the basketball team 
in college. Mm-hmm. I was part of the varsity team. So at this point, my team was always losing. I was getting fed up with basketball. I thought, you know what? I'm not going to make it to the NBA. I'm not going to get a scholarship to go down south. I'm probably going to play in Europe, maybe South America, somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. somewhere overseas. Um, so that, that last year of college, I finally got offered a basketball scholarship to go to a university in Canada. Mm-hmm. At the same time that that was happening, I do my first student film. And uh, the student film gets uploaded to YouTube. So here I am watching this video of me playing this young drug dealer. Yeah. You know, now when, now when I look at it, I cringe. I cringe. <laughs> I cringe. I can't look at myself. I turn away. I'm like, put the blinds on it. Cover it. Put a towel. Put yeah. the computer. Whatever you got to do, you know. But at the time, at the time when I first saw it, it was like love at first sight. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, what is this? It hit my heart. Yeah. It hit my core. Yeah. It hit that place that you cannot see with the eyes. <laughs> you can only feel it. That's yes. where it hit. And so like the weirdest thing happened. I had choice. Mm-hmm. Emmanuel, do you accept the scholarship and go to school for another two, three years? You don't know what you're going to study. You're going to play basketball. Mm-hmm. Who knows where that's going to lead? Maybe you play pro. Or do you pursue acting? I said, ah, I'm African. <laughs> my parents are going to lose their mind. I was going to get to that, yeah. Uh, all my cousins are doctors and lawyers. And here uh, I am. And here I am, wanting to be an actor. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, whatever. It's my life. Boom. I turned on the scholarship. I went after acting. And uh, obviously, my parents were super pissed off. Mm-hmm. But uh, the first day they saw me in a theater, they all smiled. You know, and that was my journey to Toronto and that was my journey to acting. And uh, the first time I went to I went to Los Angeles was because one of my brothers was a basketball phenom. You know, he was one of the best point guards in the world. Wow. Uh, He was a Jordan Jordan All-American, McDonald's All-American, Elite 24. Wow. Um, He was friends with Drake. LeBron was his mentor. Steve Nash was his mentor. Dwayne Wade was his mentor. Yeah. Kevin Durant and him were friends. He was his mentor. He was well on his way to the NBA. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, with people, sometimes, you know, when you hit success at an early age, at the age of 18, the road is paved with gold for you. You you don't always have the right guidance. You know, you make some choices that don't always end up in your favor. Mm -hmm. And, um, And sometimes, you know, it's even God. You know, just like, no, you're not ready for that yet. You know, yeah, he didn't get drafted, but he did play in the NBA a little bit. And he went overseas, came back in the NBA, went overseas again. He's now in South Africa, but trying to find his way back in the NBA. Mm-hmm. My sister also got a scholarship. She went to University of Delaware. She was one of the best basketball players in Canada. She's tall. You know what I mean? She's very smart, mm-hmm. but she suffered an injury. She wanted to play in the WNBA too, but she suffered an injury. So she ended up finishing school and having an an accounting degree. Mm-hmm. She lives in New York now. She's a big time accountant. And uh, my youngest brother, the one that was born in Canada, he also received a basketball scholarship to go to the University of Virginia. And uh, he's uh, unfortunately suffered an injury as well. And so his basketball career had to end early. Mm-hmm. But like through all these setbacks, when it comes to sports, all of myself and my siblings, we all have this passion for art. So yeah. two of my siblings, they rap, they do music, and they're very, very very good mm-hmm. they, they, they rap you know so maybe one day i'm gonna play a character who raps i don't know i'm still kind of figuring <laughs> it out 
like hustle and flow, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but that's that's been my journey, you know? And, and when I had visited California for the first time because of my brother who had a basketball game over there, I thought to myself, I think this is where I want to live. And from that day forward, I did everything I needed to do. The amount of rejection I had to put up with, Mm-hmm. I cannot begin to, to tell you. I've had more no's than I think the days I've lived. And you kept going. But I kept going. I stayed, I, I persevered. If the door was closed, I found a window. If the window was <laughs> closed, I tried to see if there was a chimney. Mm-hmm. If there was no chimney, I did Mission Impossible and kind of broke in, you wow. know? And I've had to do that in many situations where I've had to break into the industry, mm-hmm. you know, and, and kind of do things that isn't the regular way of doing, you know, meeting people who are movers and shakers and getting in front of the right people, you know, mm-hmm. getting the right agent to see me and notice me. You know, the first time I got my first really solid agent, I bothered him for six months because the first time I saw him, he looked at my resume. I barely had anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I used to do? Because I couldn't, I couldn't afford photos. I couldn't afford professional photos. Yeah. I went to a friend of mine who was a photographer, blah, blah, blah. We took photos. I had short hair at the time, you know, I had the waves. <laughs> At the waves. Yep. Woo! We call it the 360, the 360 waves. Yes. You know? And I thought I was a bad boy, you know what I mean? So I had this like pulls up, pulls up, like I'm cool. Mm-hmm. And the way I cropped it, it was so cropped that it was pixelated. The resolution Whoa. in this photo was not very clear. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't afford I couldn't afford it. I, but I believed in myself. If you don't yeah. believe in me, if I don't believe in me, nobody's gonna believe me. Exactly. So I would go to my old college and print a copy of my headshot on color paper for two dollars. Right. And wow. every time it would come out, when you looked at my photo, you would see the pixels in my face. <laughs> it was like somebody took a photo and just blew it up. Stretched yeah. it in. But I believed in me. I believed in me. I, mm-hmm. I had this, this confidence, this confidence that I had to gain when I lived in South Africa. That same confidence to survive mm-hmm. always kicked in with each opportunity I try to seek. And I remember that agent was like, oh, you're not ready for me. You don't have enough experience. What? My man. <laughs> for six months, I, I hustled and bustled. I would do like infomercials for Western Union. Mm-hmm. You, remember when you, you know when you walk in the Western Union and you see those infomercials on TV? Yep. I had done some of those. You know what I mean? Short films, music videos, independent videos, whatever I could get my hands on. Fall, get up, fall, get yeah. up. And every two weeks, I would call this guy, ask him, hey, did you make a decision? No. And every once in a while, I would just show up at his office. But I always dressed up nicely, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm Congolese. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we, we like to dress. You have to represent, yeah. Yeah, I have to represent. You know, yes. I have to represent. So every time I showed up to his office, I didn't call him. I didn't send him an email. I didn't tell him I was coming. I just showed up. One day, it was one of those days. I woke up in the morning like, this is the day. Mm-hmm. He has to say yes today. I put on a pink shirt. I remember very clearly. put on a pink dress shirt. I combed my hair. Mm-hmm. Right now, it was a little rough, you know. <laughs> I combed my hair. And I showed up. And when I show up, he's there in his office. He has a technician trying to fix his laptop. He looks at me and he's kind of like nodding his head like, not today. I'm yeah. busy. But mm-hmm. I didn't care. I sat down. I took my resume with my four uh, credits on and my pixelated headshot. Mm-hmm. And I put it on his table. I sat down and I started petting his dog. And I'm wow. looking at him. And I'm petting his dog. And he's looking at me. And I'm petting <laughs> his dog. And I'm looking at his dog. And his dog is looking at me. And I'm looking at 
at him and he looks at me and he's just he's, gets, he gets fed up. He's like, okay, okay, come back to me in two weeks. I'm going to give you a chance. I said, thank you, sir. I walked out. Two days later, not even two weeks, two days later, he sends me an appointment for an audition. He's like, you know what? I actually have an audition for you. Go meet this person. Da, 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 da. Bah, I go to this audition. I auditioned for this lady. And at the time I was a server. Yeah. And I was a server at this banquet hall. I used to carry five plates in, in both hands. Just like, boom, you know, just like just, three plates on one hand. You just did it all. Like, boom, just like, pop, 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 man. And I was on my way to, I was on my way to my serving job and my phone rang and it was that agent. Mm -hmm. And he was like, hey, uh, how did the audition go? I'm like, well, it went really well. She told me to come back. And he said, yeah, she just called me. She really, really likes you. I want to sign you. I walked his history. I stayed with him for a bit. And then that kind of led to my other agent. Mm -hmm. And uh, through her, I was able to get some more credits, uh, films that got into the festivals. And I produced my first uh, web series. Yeah. And then like that kind of, I got into the Canadian Film Center. And that kind of opened some doors to make some connections with people. I landed 21 Thunder in Montreal, filmed that for six months. I mean, three months. But like, it's a roller coaster you know what I mean mm -hmm. like some days you're up but some days you're down and you don't know when you're gonna get your next job so there's been cases where like even after like such a high peak milestone I've had to like go back and find a job mm -hmm. I've had to serve again you know for a long time I used to work at a daycare for over 10 years so I'm really good with kids ages 6 wow. to 12 mm -hmm. you know and like they used to call me Manny Manny one day <laughs> you're gonna be a movie star Manny yeah. here's a photo of you you know you in Hollywood wow. I was like yeah hopefully one day hopefully one day you know mm -hmm. and one day became true got my visa i ended up getting a manager in los angeles and getting an agent in los angeles and started going to la like for a month mm -hmm. and i would do auditions and come back to toronto and i would go again the following year for two months during pilot season yeah and then i would come back when i had saved up enough money i had made some friends in los angeles i was like you know what i think i want to move to la so some friends had helped me find my first apartment i remember i shipped my car from toronto to new york mm -hmm. i know i drove from toronto i drove from toronto to new york that's an eight-hour drive by my Myself. Oh, I hate that drive. <laughs> I've done it plenty of times. I hate that drive. Mm. Eight hours in the winter time. Eight hours in the winter from Toronto to New York is not mm -hmm. fun. And then I shipped my car from New York to LA. And I remember my first place. I felt so proud. I was like, oh man, I'm actually here. The dream is coming to life. Here. Yeah. The little boy that used to sleep on the floor in South Africa is here at Venice Beach. Ah, <laughs> oh, God is real. God yep. is real for real. Wow. God is real. And you know, like that led to this, that led to this. And then I just started to build a name for myself, attending the right parties, meeting the right people, shaking mm -hmm. the right hands, uh, getting in front of the right casting directors, you know. And sometimes I've had some really amazing, amazing auditions, things that you've probably seen in theaters. Yeah. And they didn't go my way. And even though they didn't go my way, I would feel this like, you know what? It's okay. It's not for you. Even though there was a partial sadness or like, oh, maybe I'm not good enough mm -hmm. that drive was always there that drive was always there no keep going this one's not for you yet just keep going mm -hmm. keep rising fall down that's okay keep rising so i would go to class I would always go to class. I always had a book with me because I needed to improve my English. Mm -hmm. I needed to improve my reading, my pronunciation, my understanding of words. My man, when I got Star Trek, mm -hmm. do you know how scared I was? Because <laughs> you were like, you I know have how to know. I have to know exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Not just memorize the words, but understand the depth and the meaning of this dialogue. And thank God for the skill of adaptability. 
Mm-hmm. I've been able to adapt. It's like this chameleon gift that's yeah, been yeah, innate yeah. within me from moving from place to place, mm-hmm. you know, from having to understand the South African accent, you know, like all these shifts kind of like shaped me yeah. into being able to like gravitate towards things and transform. That's why sometimes when I get roles, I always think, okay, what does this person sound like? And sometimes I don't find the voice until the day off my first day, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I try to immerse into my characters. I do my homework. I do my research. But uh, I always try to find what this character sounds like. And I think like having this like international ear. Mm-hmm. I salsa dance. I salsa. I love the salsa <laughs> dance. Oh my God. Don't get me started. I love yes. the salsa. Mm-hmm. I went to Colombia. The way the way I learned the salsa dance, I had a friend. He's Colombian. And uh, a few years back, he was traveling to Colombia. Mm-hmm. He's like, you want to come with me? I'm like, yeah, man, I'll come with you. I go to Colombia for a month. Like, I'm talking like real Colombian experience in like Colombia, the slums. You know yeah. what I mean? You're seeing stray dogs everywhere, you know? You can't really walk out at night because you <laughs> never know. It's Colombia, you know what I mean? Who knows? So it's, Pablo, it's not, Pablo, ooh. Pablo Escobar's ghost might, might, might walk through, you know what I mean? You don't know, <laughs> you know, but I remember when I was there, I learned how to salsa dance, you know, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize that in Colombia, they listen to rumba music from Congo. No way. Yeah. Yeah, man. They dance salsa to Congolese music. The face that you're doing now was the same face I did when like... I saw when I'm like, wait a second. This is, this music is in Lingala. What? My boy's like, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. This is our, this is our folklore. This is our, this is our ancient music. This is when you like the, the black people that were taken from Africa a lot of them were Congolese and they were brought here no to, to Colombia yeah yes way I'm like ah <laughs> that's why when I, when I dance salsa when I go to a salsa spot in LA or in Toronto when I go to do my thing people always say yo papi yo te yo te yo te yo te tu es colombiano colombiano yo no 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 es colombiano no 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 de donde eres de donde eres I'm like yo el Congo oh yo yo hablo español yo un poquito papi un poquito <laughs> you know, but they're like, yo, yo, Lara, you, you dance, you dance like you're a Colombian. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I'm like, I know, I know, but I'm not a Colombian. You know, I just, it's me, you know? Wow. But uh, that's been the journey, man. Sorry, I could keep talking and talking, but that's the short version I'm giving you. If I gave you the long version, we would sit here for three hours. <laughs> no, but like, you've answered so many of my questions because I wanted the background, I wanted the journey, I, and you gave it to us in such a beautiful way. Like, you guys can see why he's a film producer and such an amazing actor. Like, you just took me like on this joyride i was there with you from ponte city yeah. to Colombia. it yeah. was it was amazing yeah. so i'm really yeah. grateful for that i really am grateful for having you on here like you've just taught us so many yeah, lessons yeah. and it's just it's amazing man and like you could see Thank how you. you went in and out of character <laughs> i don't even know if you noticed i didn't notice <laughs> He's just doing it. Like, this is just so, it's so natural to him. No, I really, I really do appreciate it. I mean, I'm I'm glad you're enjoying it. Definitely. So you did speak about the basketball debacle, right? What what were some of the the reactions that people had? Because being an actor, just like you highlighted, was as an African, it's like, it's it's different. It's difficult. It's obviously a way that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was always a common reaction from people when you told them you're an actor. Oh, okay. Well, um, do you have a backup plan? Do you have a plan B? And I'll say, no, I don't have a plan B. Mm-hmm. I only have plan A. And that's what I focus on. Mm-hmm. You know, I have plan A. My plan A will lead to plan B, C, D. But like focus on my plan A. But I always made sure to take care of my responsibility. Mm-hmm. I always had a part-time job. 
job. And I've worked everywhere. I've worked at Foot Locker. I've worked at McDonald's. I've worked door to door. No way. I've worked, yeah, man. I've cleaned garbage for a long time. There was one point where before, before I landed 21 times, mm-hmm. I was struggling. I was struggling to land a role, but I was auditioning almost every day. Yeah. Like nothing, nothing is sticking. Nothing is sticking. Mind you, I'm in class. I have a scholarship to go to other classes. Mm-hmm. And I also needed a part-time job. And I couldn't have a part-time job during the day. Mm-hmm. So I needed a part-time job at nighttime. So I would work at this train station where I would clean the trains and the train station, the platform, the offices around the train, the maintenance station. So I would clean the urinals, the bathrooms, mop the floors, mm-hmm. vacuum the car. I worked at this job by myself. And one day I was so sad. I was like, God, why am I here? You know, I have a good resume, mm-hmm. you know, like I've been nominated for awards, but like I'm here and I'm cleaning toilets. Why? Yeah. Why? 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 There are other people who don't have as many things on my resume, on their resume as they do, as I do, but like they're flourishing. Mm -hmm. Why am I here? And I kid you not, I heard a little voice and the little voice went like this. It's so that you can understand humility, so that you can understand what it means to serve. Because to be an actor, to be a real actor, you have to serve. You have to serve the story. You have to serve the characters. It's not about your ego. It's not about getting these roles and walking these red carpets and rubbing shoulders with the powerful almighty and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And make it seem like it's all about you. No, it's about understanding the human condition and understanding what it means to be human. Mm -hmm. Because people connect with people. People connect with stories. People connect with storytelling or actors or roles that speak to their heart Mm -hmm. on a personal level. And from that day on, I was like, okay, you know, whatever the journey, wherever the journey takes me, I'll accept, you know, but luckily I was able to book a job. It came in. I went to, I went to Paris for a while. I did a play in Paris, came back to Toronto, mm-hmm. had to find a part-time job serving. And I remember serving at this part-time job. I was with my mentor. My mentor had brought me to this restaurant before, you know, one of those fancy restaurants where mm-hmm. you go in. The menu does not even have the price on it. <laughs> it doesn't have the price. It just has menu. Mm-hmm. The, not even on the salad. You just look at it, you order. That was the restaurant. It's called Fine Dining. I remember the first time I went there, I had on a nice suit. My mentor is there introducing me to people that he knows at the restaurants that are dining with their own parties. TV personnels, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? TV yeah. hosts. I remember seeing this uh, well-known TV host at this restaurant when I first went there, you know, so I kind of felt good. You know, hey, my mentor said, yeah, yeah, hey, this is Emmanuel Cabongo. Mm-hmm. He's one of our up-and-coming actors. Da, 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 da. Fast forward now, I have to work there. My Humility at its working, finest. My first day working there, I see the guy, the host. No way. That my mentor had introduced me to. He did not recognize me. The shame, the shame and the mm-hmm. embarrassment mm-hmm. that I felt. Oh my God. I, I felt like it was, it, it, I, I felt like I wanted, I was drowning. But there was a lesson in itself. Mm-hmm. There was a lesson in that job. Again, Emmanuel, understand humility. Understand that you need to serve. This is not about you. Mm-hmm. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. And uh, three weeks later, I landed 21 Thunder. Phew. And life changed. <laughs> life changed. So if you yeah. had refused to so, learn the lesson in that moment, then you definitely wouldn't have been I here today. I, yeah, no. No, until today, I'm still continuing to learn lessons, mm-hmm. you know, but this time it's different levels for every level. There's a different devil. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my lessons now it's like, okay, E, you got this role. Okay. You're getting ready to do this. You just did that. All right. But then boom, 
a circumstance kicks in or a challenge kicks in, how do I handle that now? Mm -hmm. The circumstances, the challenges that I'm dealing with now, if they were presented to me five years ago, I don't think I would have been able to handle them. You know, I don't think I would would, have struggled. Yeah. If the circumstances that I faced three years ago, if I was facing them now, I'd be like, I know how to handle this. A breeze. Uh, Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, with acting and uh, people, there are some people who find that, you know, it's a it's a it's a very competitive career, Mm -hmm. you know, so you do have to have thick skin. Skill and talent is also important. Uh, You know, there's a saying, you know, for you to be lucky, preparation and opportunity have to meet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They have to be combined, you know, so I make sure I stay prepared. I make sure I stay prepared for my opportunities so that when something strikes perfectly, I get lucky that is amazing and throughout your your journey right especially with the big roles that you've got in like 21 thunder and now with the rising six do you feel like it sort of comes full circle with exactly what you've been experiencing in your life because these stories sort of capture a part of your life if not the journey of your life like with the rising yeah. six i mean it's like this was an experiment it happened accidentally just like your yeah. love for acting sort of happened you know we yeah. could say like yeah. accidentally do you feel like yeah, yeah. this comes full circle it's starting to yeah slowly but surely mm-hmm. you know especially for 21 thunder when i got to play the soccer player when i got on set the first day i remember i was like oh my god i get to be a soccer player mm-hmm. on a series it was a two-for-one blessing literally yeah because i got to play because i love to play you know i kept mm-hmm. playing every summer in men's leagues and stuff and so i remember they had a stunt double for me man this guy didn't even look like me yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> but i'm like they're like they, 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 they don't know i could play i could actually play i play mm-hmm. you know so i remember i'm like nah man no no sorry you don't have to use him pay him but don't use him yeah i will do all my stunts mm-hmm. i will do all my stunts because i love doing stunts uh but no it's definitely come full circle you know even with rising six you know the way that came through it was my love for basketball that got me connected with a friend in l.a mm-hmm you know, and this friend in LA uh, was friends with the director yeah. and uh, writer of the, of the film, Christina Cooper. And so she introduced us and uh, Christina and I kind of talked and she liked my stuff. She's like, oh my God, you're perfect. You're yeah. perfect. You know, like the way you think, you know, you're athletic. Mm-hmm. Like I'm putting together this movie and like, I love your acting. You know, and I would love for you to be a part of my film. And I said, I well, I love your energy. You're obviously a powerhouse in, in California, around mm-hmm. the world. You know, you're recognized. So uh, let's make it happen. You know, and uh, and then the snowball is just it, it just started to you know to tumble and roll. And uh, we haven't started yet. We haven't gone to camera yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm I'm really excited and getting ready to do that. Hence the 137 push-ups a day. <laughs> I mean that that explains a lot. <laughs> obviously and of course yeah. ncis hawaii and and many other things yeah. but yeah no yeah. that explains yeah, right. yeah 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 <laughs> NCIS, even even ncis hawaii i was back in california with my now fiance we were in santa monica santa mm-hmm. monica beach we wanted to go get some some sushi and it was kind of a down day we were both kind of feeling low energy you know mm-hmm. uh like like nothing was panning out i hadn't worked in a while you know so i'm like ah, I, just, I just want some sushi so we go to the beach and uh, we sit by the water and we're just looking at the water you know it's nighttime it's a full moon so i'm just taking in the moon and just like looking at god's creation and she goes she goes to me you know it would be amazing. It would be crazy. If we got on a boat from where we are and we went straight, we would probably hit Hawaii or randomly. Mm-hmm. 
I'm like, ah, you know what? Let me see. Okay, let me see how far Hawaii is from California. So I look. I'm like, oh, it's only five hours. All right, you know, maybe one day we'll go. Maybe mm-hmm. one day we'll go to Hawaii. Fast forward, I had my sushi that night. Totally forgot we had this conversation. A week and a half later, I get an audition for this show called NCIS Hawaii, <laughs> and it's filming in Hawaii. But I did not, I did not remember I even had that conversation about Hawaii, or that I even went on my phone to check tickets or how far it was. A few weeks ago, I auditioned. Yeah, yeah, I auditioned for it. I let it go. Forgot about it. And now I'm getting ready to come back to Toronto because I like to spend time with my family, mm-hmm. with my mom in Toronto. So I'm looking at flight tickets, and I'm kind of like, oh, the years I'm going to finish the year without getting a job, at, you know, closer to the year because I'm mm-hmm. oh, I always work during the fall. And then my manager calls me and she goes, hey, Emmanuel, did you book your tickets to go back to Toronto yet? I'm like, no, no, I didn't. She's like, well, okay, well, you might get an opportunity to go to Hawaii, so don't book any tickets right now. Mm-hmm. My heart started beating. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, fine. Okay, okay whatever, 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 whatever. Don't, don't overthink it. Don't overthink mm-hmm. it, man. Mm-hmm. And three days go by. I'm at uh, the beach. I'm trying to calm my mind and pray and meditate and read. But my mind is racing because I'm like, am I going to get this job or not? Yeah. You know, luckily, luckily I have a partner. I, I've been blessed with a beautiful woman, not just physically, but also spiritually, mm-hmm. you know, mentally. And she was able to kind of balance me mm-hmm. you know, and, and remind me that God is the master puppeteer, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and to trust God. And uh, and then I got a call. I got a call and, and, and we went to Hawaii and, and I proposed. Congratulations, by the way. You know what I mean? Thank you. If you had told me last year, hey, buddy, on the year before, hey, you're going to, or the beginning of last year, you're going to uh, end up proposing to your girlfriend at the end of the year. I'd be like, yeah, right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) In In Hawaii. Hawaii. (laughs) You know? So the the trip in Hawaii was supposed to be a short time, supposed to be about five days, but it ended up being two weeks just basking in the goodness, the gift, the blessings of God. Just like, mm-hmm. all right, here, here, boom. <laughs> all right, okay, you think that you think that's it? Okay, okay, here, 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 boom. Yes. All right, okay, you think that's it? And and even you know that that led to my next job uh, that I just you know recently wrapped, and, and that one is called Hello Stranger, mm-hmm. and it stars you know some really good actors: Sam Witherington from Avatar, mm-hmm. Jordana Brewster from Fast and the Furious, um, Ravi Amel from Upload. The star-studded uh, lineup. You know, yeah, Simu Liu from Shang Shai. Uh, Shang-Chi. So I, I, I just feel very lucky and fortunate. And uh, it's definitely coming full circle, but I don't think the circle is complete yet. I think Absolutely there's more not. to come. Mm-hmm. The best yeah. is yet to come, yeah. Exactly. So it has been an amazing, amazing yeah. interview, an amazing conversation. Yeah. I don't even like thinking of them as interviews because that makes yeah. them very robotic. But this has been. I'm sorry. I, I yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't let you talk. I didn't let you talk much when you, when you open mind. the can of worms. When you open the can of worms, what do you expect? You asked me to tell you my story. I'm going to tell you the full story. You know. I mean, so I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. If I, if I if I spoke, if I overspoke, if I didn't, if I you know, if I rambled on, 
it wasn't my intention. Mm-hmm. I just I just get really passionate. I get really passionate. I'm glad you were comfortable enough to to go on like that. So that's all I need. So to end it off, I'm going to ask you two questions, right? So the first one, you've been in different bodies of work. So we're talking theater, we're talking short films, adverts, everything, basically. What do you think about not just the quality of the content that is being put out these days, but most importantly, the message that is being portrayed on the youth nowadays? Like, Mm. What what kind of impact do you think is being made on the youth and what kind of message is being imprinted on them for generations to come? That's a good question. Well, we live in a world of instant gratification, mm-hmm. you know, and when I grew up as a youth, you know, you had to really, really, really work hard and pay your dues to achieve things. Nowadays, I, I wouldn't necessarily say we live in a lazy society, mm-hmm. but I do feel like, you know, uh, social media has kind of taken away that natural passion to seek out information to kind of mm-hmm. put in your work into like digging your dirt and kind of getting your hands dirty. People can easily sit behind their phone and not do anything. I grew up, sit behind the phone and not not to say they're not doing anything, but like I I grew up during a time when, you know, I was outside, I was playing basketball, Mm -hmm. you know, I was riding my bicycle, you know, I was exploring things as a teenager. I mean, that too can kind of lead into a bad crowd, but luckily that didn't happen to me. But with with what's being put out today, there are some good work that's out there too Mm -hmm. that is kind of motivating youths to you know be in touch with themselves Mm -hmm. be in touch with their personalities but uh i do believe that it's important to let kids be kids yeah and let teenagers be teenagers you know you can't really expect a six-year-old to digest uh, information that a 20 year old uh is consuming is, yeah it's consuming you know you 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 can't really do that uh, there are steps to this thing but then again you know you can't really control the internet you know mm-hmm. it's like the wild west and so that's why i think it's really important to have role models mentors out there people that just aren't about themselves so uh with some of the work that's out there i i have great respect i too want to create my own work that kind of speaks towards the, the growing youth you know but not just things that makes you like look hip or, or cool yeah or the next tiktok video mm-hmm. but something that could teach you about yourself you know maybe you have you have some issues maybe you have some mental issues mm-hmm. maybe you know there's things that you don't want to talk about you know with family or friends and you you know you want to learn from watching an episode of your favorite show mm-hmm. you know or your favorite movie you know and or your so, favorite I, so podcast. I think that yeah yeah or mm-hmm. your favorite podcast mm-hmm. right so you know i think it's really important to have that you know to have what you're having right now what we're doing you know where you have guests who are coming up and being beacons of light and giving hope to absolutely the, yeah, I appreciate that. And in line with that, right, we are African people during a, a time where we're trying to buy back our identity and everything. How important do you then think, especially being on an international stage, is it that we tell, because you do have your own film company, I'm not too sure if you're still, you know, running that because you do have a lot going on at the moment. How important do you think it is that we tell our own stories? Good question. I named my company Unseen Pictures because the stories I want to tell are a lot of them, you know, African-based stories, Mm -hmm. stories we don't always see or hear about Mm -hmm. and uh, not necessarily war-torn stories or slave stories, but 
there's so many love stories in Africa. <laughs> that you is know? true. There's so many love stories. There's superheroes that are African too. Mm-hmm. Black Panther was one of them. And God rest his soul, you know, Chadwick Boseman. Mm-hmm. But it's so important for Africa to have a voice because I can't, I don't know if I could say this, but it's almost like, like, like when I look at a map, it's like the center. Yes. No, it's the heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you talk about or you think about minerals and natural resources, mm-hmm. Africa, world, gold, diamonds. And so getting that voice out, getting those stories told so that, you know, people can know the fullness, the depth of Africa is very, very important for me. And I try to align myself with projects or opportunities that kind of give me the give me the chance mm-hmm. to highlight myself as an African man. Yes. You know, with 21 Thunder, it was a kid from uh, Ivory, Ivory Coast. Coast. Mm-hmm. With uh, this other, uh, this comedy piece that I did, it was uh, the Somalian kid, mm-hmm. you know. I actually had an opportunity to uh, uh, do a film in South Africa, and it was between the film and 21 Thunder. Okay. I picked 21 Thunder, and it was going to be my first time working in South Africa, and I'm sure I'll get a chance to, you know, God willing. But it's important for me to get opportunities or create opportunities to show that Africa has different voices. Absolutely. You know, you know we're not all just, yes, Africa is the continent, but we're not all the same. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. We all play, we all play different keys. We all have our special qualities. There's good and bad everywhere in the world, you know, but it's really important for people to know that there's a deeper depth in Africa and mm-hmm. hopefully it could be exposed and seen through our screens you know with music now everybody loves afro beats yep you know everybody's playing afro beats you know but hopefully the uh, representation of africans on screen can be as major as epic as uh, the music scene Absolutely. if not if it isn't already mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think it's just for all of us wanting it to not just be a fashion trend, wanting it to not just be mm. something cool and something hip, like you spoke about, you know, the kind of content that you want to put out there, but for it to actually be an understanding and an acceptance of who we are, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Although, you know, you could, you know, you could indulge in, uh, I just saw this new show on Netflix called uh, Young, Famous and Africa. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm the, like, drama, the drama, the drama, <laughs> super entertaining, yeah. but the drama. Yeah. yeah. So Thank to you. end this off, it's, it's like, it's really been a pleasure. You've taught me so much. There's a lot that I need to reflect on. There's a lot that I need to be less hard on myself about. Yeah. And yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just to leave you off with, look, man, on, on a real note, life is not guaranteed, especially with everything. Look, look at what's happening in Ukraine. Just that alone, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens in Nigeria too. Yep. A lot of stuff that happens in Ethiopia, you know, I mean, uh, Sudan, Sudan, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So and obviously a lot of the stuff is not highlighted on the news, on the, on the world media, but you as a human being, if your circumstances aren't as harsh as what we're seeing in the news, mm-hmm. if you're healthy, if you have the means to get a job, if you are wise and have the wherewithal, the awareness to think for yourself and have opinions, you can find a way. The mind is a powerful thing. Extremely. 
once you put it to test, when you, when you put it to work. It's a powerful thing. It's so, the, the things I'm starting to learn about myself and my mind, I surprise myself almost every day. Mm-hmm. One year I wanted to read the Bible from cover to cover. I did it. One year I didn't want to indulge in alcohol at all. I did it. You know, you yeah. just have to know what you want. You got to stick to it. You got to stay disciplined. You got to stay faithful. You got to get up when you fall. You got to wipe your tears mm-hmm. when you cry. You got to pat your back and yourself in the back when you make a mistake. You got to be kind. You got to be kind to yourself. You got to remind that little child in you that it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. It's going to be okay. If today it was hard, that's okay. Tomorrow is another day. But sometimes we have to also remember that tomorrow is not guaranteed. Absolutely. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. So give your best every day, even if your best is a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's enough because your best is enough. Drops Mike. No, this is just to throw like this is just to throw you off. If your if your life was a movie, what would you call it? Ooh, good one. Black Panther. I think that says it all. There's there's just nothing else for us to say. Thank you to each and every single person that listens to this podcast. Thank you so much for sticking with me on this journey. It has been rocky. It has been interesting. But um, as you can see, we just keep upping the ante and it just keeps getting better and better. And we keep going from glory to glory and from strength to strength. Follow us on Instagram. That's Sakina Speaks underscore and follow Emmanuel Kabongo and follow his journey as well on Instagram. That is E-M-M-K-A-B. Otherwise, just search his name. Like he's famous now. He has the blue tick. You'll find him. You'll definitely, <laughs> you'll definitely find him. I'm only teasing because he's very humble. Yeah. I'm not trying to be the temptation that brings pride to his mind. Let's not do that. Yeah. Um, but it has yeah. been amazing. Thank Keep you. the conversation going. All the best Thank to you. you. Sakina Thank has you. spoken. Thank you.